0: Hi there everybody, my name is Terry O'Regan and I am one of the members here at Gold Hill Church. And I feel an incredible privilege to be opening this new series aptly called Life. Because as we approach Easter, we are reminded of the central theme of the cross, which is Jesus died this horrific death so that we may have life and have it to the full. Not just the life where we're surviving, but a life where we are thriving. A life that is expansive, a life that is blessed, a life that is purposeful, a life that is fulfilling, and a life that is a testimony to the goodness and the greatness of God. And my prayer today is that I would be able to encourage you with that truth, that everyone has the promise of being able to live this extraordinary life. And hopefully give you some of the signs of when we've stepped out of that promise, but also to give you some tools to step back into all that God has for you. So let's start by grounding ourselves in scripture. And I'm going to be reading this morning from John 10, verse 1 to 10. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out of the f- and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy, but I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. So what we see from this passage in John chapter 10 verse 1 to 10 are these two very important truths. Number one, Jesus is the good shepherd. And when we look at a typical Middle Eastern shepherd, we see that they would literally put their lives on the line for their sheep. They would sleep at the entrance to the pen so that any sheep that wanted to leave the pen unattended would actually have to step over them but in the same way any danger that wanted to come into the pen they would also have to go through the shepherd and what we see is that jesus says i am the good shepherd and the thing is is what does that mean for us what is the life that jesus is promising us as our good shepherd And one of the best ways to describe this is actually in Psalm 23. And I'm going to read it, but I'm going to read it in a slightly different way. I'm going to put your name into that psalm. And this is what it says. The Lord is your shepherd. You shall not want. He makes you lie down in green pastures; He leads you beside still waters. He restores your soul. He leads you in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you will fear no evil because he is with you. His rod and his staff, they will comfort you. He will prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies and will anoint your head with oil so that your cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life and you shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And that's what we see. We see this magnificent life that Jesus describes for us because he is our good shepherd. But however, we've got to see the other side of the coin, which is this person called the devil, which is described in the Bible as the enemy of God who comes to rob and to steal and to destroy. He is relentless in his quest to ensure that you live a mediocre average life. He is 100% committed to foiling the promises of God for your life and ensuring that your life at best is average. And the sad thing is that often our prayer lives reflect that we don't realize how this important truth because we live in times as, as though we're in times of peace rather than living as though we're in times of war. However, this morning we're talking about living life to the full and I want to get back to that theme. But I have to start by saying that life is messy. It's confusing and at times it's disappointing. Often we, we have these events, that, these major events that we have to deal with, like the loss of a job or a loss of a loved one or a loss of a dream. And things don't always turn out as we hoped they would. And it's in those places that we really question is God good? Does he have good plans for me? And I want you to know that I've just been through one of those those situations. You know, some of you might know that I took up this very senior job in the USA and it had all the promises of my career really taking off and, and having, you know, just being able to have a magnificent life in the USA. But even though I know God was with me and even though I felt that God had clearly led me to the USA, When I got there, I found that I was working in one of the most toxic environments and that sometimes that toxicity was personally aimed at me. And despite the success, um, I found myself in situations of often being undermined. And I started to question like, God, did I even hear you in this? And then on top of that, one of my best friends got COVID. And and I just felt called to to intercede for, for for his safety. And I was often woken up over that two-week period um, at three in the morning to pray for him. I was fasting um, and praying constantly um, that he would be healed. And unfortunately, my friend passed. And I questioned and I said, God, what is this all about? Do you really have good plans for each and every one of us? And I want you to know that this morning, this message comes out of my own wrestling with this truth. And I am convinced that God has good plans for your life and he has good plans for my life. So how do we step into these promises that God has for us? The very first thing is recognizing we are in a war. My experience is that the devil has no new tricks for you and he has no new tricks for me. He trips us up in the same way. You, you know, we've got to learn to recognize those, those negative patterns that occur, those coincidences that keep on occurring over and over again. And also those triggers that he has specifically for you that derail you. The general pattern is that when life throws you a curveball, it is easy to get despondent like I did. And also to start doubting God like I did. But if that is unchecked, what you can then start to find is that, particularly around relationships, where relationships have gone off track, that offense and bitterness starts to take hold of our heart. And also where things didn't quite work out the way that we, we hoped they would, that we started to lose our confidence in the work environment. Or we actually start to just lay down the dreams that we had for our lives. And it's in that dark and pessimistic place that the devil tries to keep you there. He wants you to have this defeatist mindset. He wants you to be overwhelmed by the cares of this world. And so the very first thing I wanted to say is, what are the signs when we're not living life to the full, when we're not experiencing this abundant life? These are the signs. They worry. They fear. Your life lacks joy. It lacks excitement. It lacks purpose. And you feel like you're just going through the motions. And as I said, you just feel like you're surviving rather than thriving. So the key question is how do we break that cycle? And this is the good news, is that as I've contemplated the promise of John 10:10, I reflected on two very different lives. I reflected on the life of Mother Teresa and I reflected on the life of Ken Costa. Now, Mother Teresa, I think, needs no introduction. She was this tiny little nun that served the poor in India in Calcutta. And towards the end of her life, she was even crippled. Why? Because she used to take the shoes that were given to the poor that no one else wanted. She gave the poor the very best shoes. And from years of wearing bad shoes, um, she became crippled and lame. Ken Costa, on the other hand, he is this influential banker, you know, chairman of Alpha International. He has advised on on transactions like the sales of Herod to the Qatari royal family. He's on the board of directors of Songbird Estates, which own like 70% of Canary Wharf. He is the professor of commerce at Gresham University and the dean of the Leadership College of London. I mean, this man looks as if he has got it all. That, that, that he is living the dream. And yet if you think of these two lives, they could not be more extreme. This multimillionaire and this, this poor nun serving the poor in, in India. And yet I believe they both lived life to the full despite their circumstances. Because they laid hold of what God had called them to do. Why do I say this? Well, you know, we sold this dream. That money will fill the emptiness and the lack in our lives and status will give our lives purpose. But we know that that is not the truth. You've just got to read Ecclesiastes or look at some or read some of the, the life stories of the rich and famous to know that that is so far from the truth. We sold this lie that sort of looking good, feeling good, having the goods is the way to go. But actually the truth and the thing that we need to get perspective on is living life to the full is knowing a good God, doing good and being good. In short, you've got one shot at this life. This is not a dress rehearsal. This is it. And God wants you to have the best life and be the best version of yourself that you can be. So the question is, how do we do this? The very first thing is, You've got to know that God is crazy in love about you and that your life is not an accident. It starts with this truth that that you are not just molecules coming together and by some coincidence you find yourself on earth at this time. Now you have been uniquely made in the image of God and the plans that he has for your life is as unique as the fingerprint that he has given you. And there are so many scriptures to back this up. But I love these two scriptures from the message. The one is Ephesians 1 verse 11 to 12 and it says this. It is in Christ we find out who we are and what we are living for. Long before we heard of Christ and got our hopes up. He had his eye on us and he had designs for us for glorious living. And then Acts 10 verse 34 peter exploded with the good news it's god's own truth nothing could be plainer god has no favorites it makes no difference who you are or where you are from and that's the very first truth to step into this life this abundant life that i've been talking about is that god has no favorites The promise of this extraordinary life is for all of you and you are included in that promise. The second thing that we have to do is we have to know our status in Christ, our position in Christ, that God has made you his righteousness. At the point that we repent and and we invite Jesus to be our friend, he makes us his righteousness. And that is an incredible truth when it moves from our head to a reality in our heart. Being made the righteousness of God our status completely changes. We go from being guilty to being blameless. We go from condemnation to acceptance. We go from shame to confidence. We go from mourning to dancing and we go from mediocrity to this abundant life. And why is this so important? Because the devil will do everything he can to disqualify you, where God comes and he says, "I have made you holy, I have made you pure, I have made you my righteousness, He qualifies us, but the devil comes and constantly tries to disqualify us, constantly showing us our shortcomings and constantly bringing up the mishaps of our past. But this is the truth in one corinthians six eleven it says But you were washed, you were made clean, you were sanctified, you were made pure and holy, and you were justified, you were declared not guilty in the name of Jesus Christ. And this is such an important truth. And I I heard the story the other day that I think embellishes what this really means for you and what it means for me. And it's the story of this Irish landlord, Canon Andrew Robert Fawcett. And it was at the time of a great potato famine where his tenants wrote to him and they said we we can't afford to pay our rent would you pardon us of our debt and and canon Fawcett wrote back to them and he said unfortunately he could not pardon them of their debt because it would set a bad precedent however he said i have enclosed something that i think will help and what he had enclosed was a large sum of money that was enough to pay their rent as well as excess to get them through the potato famine and that's what jesus did for us he not only died so that our sins could be forgiven he gave us excess he gave us everything we need to live beautiful victorious and fulfilling lives and so that's the that's the second thing is to know that he's crazy about you number one and know that 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 your position in Christ, that you are his righteousness. We've also got to know our authority over the devil. If he's coming to constantly try and rob and to steal and to destroy, we've got to know our authority over him. And we no longer need to be intimidated by him because the Bible says that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. So we do need to wise up to his strategies for our lives, as I've already said, recognize those patterns. But then we need to go become active in how we counteract those. You know, and that is done through prayer. It's done through worship. It's done through making your life accountable, bringing things into the light. It comes from standing on the promises of God. And Corinthians 2 verse 15 says this, that Jesus disarmed the powers and authorities. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them on the cross. But Ephesians 1, 18-20 says this, I pray that the light of your heart may be enlightened in order that you might know the hope to which you have been called, the riches of his glorious inheritance and the incomparable great power for us who believe. The power is the same as that mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. That same power is given to you we have the authority and the power to stand against the devil we have more power than we realize and we need to exercise that the other thing we need to know is we need to know our core you know the, 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 the fundamental cry of every heart is why am i alive does my life count for anything does it have any meaning and as i've said i believe with all my heart that you have been uniquely made in the image of god and he has given you a specific personality type there's no a type personality and b type personality you've just got your personality that god has gifted you with you've got special gifts and talents You've got all these experiences too, both good and bad. God never wastes anything. He uses it all to bring together something that is magnificent that he can use to make a difference in the world. And when we grasp that God is good and the plans he has for us is good, then we can have a confidence to step into all that God has for us. 1 Corinthians 9 26 says, we do not run like a person running aimlessly and we do not fight like a fighter beating the air. No, we have significance all over us. We have destiny written all over us and God wants us to step into these wonderful plans that he has for our lives. But part of this is hardship and struggles unfortunately we tend to think that that when life is going well then we're seeing the blessings of god and when life is tough then actually we're doing something wrong that could not be more further from the truth you see it's in times of hardship and struggles that god refines our character and he humbles us so that we can carry the weight of his anointing and the and the and we can carry this mandate that he has put upon our shoulders i have found in business that it's not people's competence that holds them back, it's their character, and God loves us too much to not work on our character, and it's often in those those tough times that he takes this rough diamond and molds it and 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 and, and makes it into something really beautiful. It's in those testing times though that we've got to know that we're never in it alone that he is ever present why do i say that well there's some great heroes of the faith abraham was a, was destined to be the father of many nations and yet the very thing that he was tested on was being a father and yet at the time that he became a father late in and you know 100 years of age you know, he was then, he thought he had to sacrifice Isaac and God provided the lamb. God was always there. Joseph was was destined to be the second in charge of Egypt and yet found himself for a lengthy period of time in prison. But the Bible tells us that even in that prison cell where he was forgotten and thought, God, where are you? That God showed kindness and favor to Joseph. And then the apostle paul two-thirds of the new testament is written by the apostle paul i mean he had this great mandate to go and share the good news with the gentiles but even he wrote this in 2 corinthians 4 verse 8 and 9 he said we are hard pressed on every side but not crushed crushed perplexed but not in despair persecuted but not abandoned struck down but not destroyed. And friends, I want to tell you this morning that if you find yourself in that place, you, you are not alone, and you're most probably on the right, right track. God is working something magnificently within you in order to bring you into the fullness of what he has for you. And you know, I want to break this myth that when, when life is going well, that we are in a good place. Um, and I want to use the story of, of, of the Israelites. You know, if you, you remember the Israelites, they had just come out of Egypt. They would seen all the plagues that, 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 that Moses had done um, on the Egyptian nation. The Red Sea had been parted, this miraculous entrance into, in, 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 towards the promised land. And then God shows up every day. Every day he shows up. You know, he gives them food, he gives them manna, he gives them water, he gives them a cloud to shade them from the sun. And yet there's never been a time where the Israelites have moaned so much, have grumbled so much, and when things didn't go their way at the drop of a hat, they made this golden calf and worshiped it. They deserted God. So let's not kid ourselves that the blessed life makes us people of faith. No, it's often in the hardship and the struggle that we step into all that God has for us. So don't shy away from it, embrace it, learn from it, and move into the inheritance that God has for you. So I want to conclude this morning with most probably the most important question you could ever be asked, and the most important decision that you will ever have to make. And I want to use one last story, if you would permit me, um, about the most important question could be asked and it's the story of moses another great hero of the faith that was destined to be the redeemer um, of of the israelites in egypt but he lands up first and foremost as this prince of egypt and yet god to fulfill the purposes that he had from takes him into the desert and he becomes the shepherd and at the point that god says okay now you're ready moses to step into what i have for you to be that redeemer to my people, he comes to him and this is the question he asks. He says, what is in your hand? And what was in his hand was a shepherd's staff. And that shepherd's staff represented everything about Moses. It represented his identity. It represented his livelihood. He made his money from his sheep. It represented his influence by hook or by crook. He could protect his family and he could protect his wealth. And yet God said to him, I want you to throw that down. And as we know from the story, he throws it down. It turns into the snake. And he says, pick it up by the tail and it becomes a staff again. And it was that staff that every one of those plagues and the parting of the Red Sea was done by the power of God through that staff. And that staff represented, as I said, everything about him. God takes what we have and he multiplies it and he makes it beautiful. And he didn't just do it in the time of Moses. He did it with the loaves and the fishes. He takes what we offer him and he makes it miraculously beautiful and abundant. And so the question I'll ask you this morning is what is in your hand? What is the personality that God has gifted you with? What are the gifts and the talents? What are the dreams that he's placed in your heart? You know, what are the experiences, good and hard, that God can use to make you the best version of yourself and to live the best version of your life, to step into that abundant life. And what is the most important question you could be asked? It's from Deuteronomy 30 verse 19, where Jesus says, or God says, I lay before you life and death. Choose life. Thank you.